0: Russell's Reserve. Good morning. Good morning, Kyle. How are you? Kyle's cask.
1: Nice. Nice. Uh, Say cheese. Say cheese. Cheese. Mm -hmm. Why? Why did I say cheese? In preparation for your interview on the Cheddar Network. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a thing. It's happening. It's happening Monday. Tell the tell the people. I don't know why I pronounce it Cheddar either. I think that's just how you spell Cheddar with an A. But for some reason, when I see their name, I want to pronounce it like an asshole.
0: Yeah, so Monday, I'm supposed to be going on the uh, the Cheddar Network, which I, I, I was not very familiar with, um, to go talk about podcasting and about um, sports media and the way that mobile devices and, I, I guess, stuff like that has changed the game in the sports media industry. So did the pre-interview a couple days ago and it should be good it'll go up on all their platforms at some point in the next couple weeks and i'll i'll give the people a uh, an update at some point but it should be we'll fine. you <laughs> thank you i'm excited <laughs> it was funny like the the um the entire thing kind of caught me off guard i think as it would catch anybody off guard and the woman who reached out to me had like 500 followers and was verified so i'm like is this a russian bot like what's going on and you were hoping yeah. You were hoping. And, and I was like, man, okay. So she's verified like what is what is chatter? And then I looked into it and I'm like, oh. This is like a legit thing. This is cool. Like the and then you kind of reaffirmed my initial impression which is it's like a streaming CNBC. So What's
1: it? Yeah, it's a it's the modern version of been around for a couple of years. Uh they stream, I think exclusively online they stream um they're available on you know apple tv i think they stream mainly through facebook watch they're Uh, now on youtube tv according to jeff yeah that was yep yes they are actually uh yep they uh they stream uh they're live from the new york stock exchange they're they're yeah a modern cnbc they focus on a lot of tech people and stuff like that but they're uh I mean, they've had plenty of of big time interviews, uh, especially when there's a a new product or service that's you know kind of geared towards younger people. They're carving out that niche and and you said this is part of a sponsored segment from Comcast, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, you said it sounds so forlorn and no, no, I'm just like i i the whole thing was was confusing at first, so
0: it sounds like Cheddar has these things that they set up with with whoever their their biggest sponsors are. So I guess we're using like a Comcast place as a backdrop or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to drive into the city and, and get this thing done, but it'll be good. Like I'm I'm looking forward to it. The people were nice, so you know. Well, there you go. That's really all that matters. You get Look to see you, my beautiful I... glowing face and all that. It'll be it'll be lovely. Look at Gotta you talking outside. about the future get attack.
1: Down. Thanks thanks to the fine folks at Comcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. To Xfinity nice. and beyond. There. Wow. Wow! Nice. Well done. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it's a Friday morning. I don't know. Um, we were just talking about this, and this is probably not the best way to open the show, but there's really there's really not a ton of talk to talk about. Um, there's not really any even newsy bits here other than the Eagles are have been invited to the White House, and. I don't believe there is any word from the team as to whether they're actually going to go. Is that correct? Have I missed something yeah, Chris, between late last night and Chris this morning? Chris Long
0: said that he's not going to go. Shocking.
1: Um, Lefko had him
0: on their podcast. And uh, without getting like too much into it, I, I think Chris Long's taking the wrong stance on this. Um, his, oh his argument was that he thinks it seems silly that the president would listen to an athlete over the people and I I don't know I think this is like kind of bad boss syndrome like if you've ever worked for a bad boss and there have been things that you've wanted to talk to them about and then you said "Ah, never mind he'll never listen or she'll never listen and so you don't bring it up and it's just kind of always sitting there as something that you could have said and like maybe it doesn't make a difference maybe it ends up getting you in more heat maybe it doesn't um you know you you need to I I think if you have the possibility to have an audience even if you don't think it's going to yield any results, you can at least say that you tried, and then in the aftermath you can say, you know, we went in there, we we provided these ideas, and we'll see if he follows through with any of them. puts a little bit of of uh, media spotlight and maybe a little bit of pressure. Um, not that an athlete is going to necessarily be able to uh, you know drive policy change, but well. to to straight up say that like you're not going to go because you don't think it's going to yield any results to me is is kind of of a defeatist mentality. And, you know, whether or not you think that you're right and justified, I still think that it's, it's better to go and try than to not at all. But that's just me. Yeah,
1: I mean, I totally understand the guys who don't want to go. Um, I, I think it's a tough spot because you play your, you know, not that you play sports for the chance of going to the White House, but... It's a cool thing, regardless of who the president is, regardless if you agree with their politics. Um, in this case, if you think he's a monster, I could see how that changes the, the calculation. But, um, you know, it's still a cool honor to go and be honored at the White House. And I get why people would want to go, certainly. Uh, I get why some wouldn't want to go. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's kind of a flawed thinking, if nothing else. Um, you talk about listening to an athlete. Uh, Trump has shown that um, uh, he'll listen to anybody. His idea of uh, smart people are TV stars, musicians, actors, uh, sports figures, uh, talking TV anchors. I mean, these are the people he takes his direction from. He, it's like a. It's like he's casting a movie for the White House, largely. Uh, and that's, you know, and that's kind of a fact. It's not even some sort of built in opinion here. Uh, he, he doesn't have a grasp of like the true experts in a field. The experts on a field are are people he sees on TV. Uh, what's more is that pretty much every story that ever comes out about him, uh, is always about how much he's influenced by pretty much the last person he's talked to. Um, so if someone makes a good case about something and it happens to be the last person he encounters before going in front on TV or giving a speech or, or, or enacting a policy that seems to influence him the most He seems to be easily won over by um, praise and, and giving him some level of respect and whatever. So I actually don't think in many cases, I would think it's kind of crazy that a teams going to go in there and change the president's view on something um, on the flip side i donald trump seems exactly like the sort of person who would be uh find it so cool and um be so uh ignorantly caught up in the fact that the super bowl champions were being cool to him that he would actually maybe potentially listen to them uh so it, it might not be that crazy in this case but whatever yeah, it is. Uh, I'm sure some guys will go. Uh there's you know, there's definitely a lot of beefcakes along along both of those lines that I think are are probably Trump fans. And uh even if you're not, you can't can't blame you if you want to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, um hey, did I don't know if you saw this, but uh, do you notice that uh so Kevin did a write up on the site. Robert Covington had off season surgery and yeah. it turns out that um it was his left middle finger which I'm pretty sure he showed to the entire Philadelphia 76ers fan base in the, uh, matchup against the Boston Celtics. Were you, were you waiting on that? I was just, I was really excited. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean,
0: I'm sorry, you know, I guess we're supposed to bow down and, and worship the ground he walks on because, you know, a certain other podcast, uh, that had a, a lottery party that I went to last year, by the way, which was a lot of fun. Um, they they like had this whole thing leading up to it that people better not boo Covington at, at their at a the right rookie Sanchez pot uh like lottery party, and I'm like if you want to boo him you can boo him like I, that's that's one thing I don't get like I know that you want to make a good impression or whatever but he played like dog poop for the entirety of a series and really even in the Miami series he was streaky at best he play, he killed them in that series I mean you can point your finger at at a, you know. A bunch of Ben Simmons blunders at, at the end of games. You can point it at Brett Brown's coaching. You can say that Joel Embiid got inefficient looks from the post and couldn't catch double teams again. Yeah, yeah, like, he, ul- he wasn't. But like no one's, ultimately, no one's arguing. Robert Covington <laughs> did he get cheered like or booed? Trash. Uh, I think he mostly got cheered. I would assume that the Good. people who booed him were probably the ones who were people who were going to the lottery party because they thought it would be fun, but they don't listen to the show or went with they a don't friend. take their direction for listen.
1: Sixers fandom from on high you mean yeah I guess so yeah okay um saw so Mark Farzetta interviewed him there uh yeah the, he, uh, with the mean tweets he did the mean tweets and they were his yeah. own tweets um yeah. uh, g- gotta give Mark credit pretty good uh pretty good idea for a segment I was wishing the tweets would have been meaner um the one of them about ejecting him from the earth or I forget what, or, or making him Fire a bird him so into he fly far, far away
0: oh the bird was great I actually yeah. like that
1: one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, good. I like that for a, for a segment. I would, we should do a segment where we have, uh, all the, all the people that we've collectively trashed and dig up some of my tweets from 2010 and 2011 and 2012 and find some real doozies in there. So, uh, yeah, good, a uh, good idea on their part. Um, another small bit of news here. It sounds like Dante DiVincenzo is wowing at the NBA draft combine, uh, and there are rumors, though not verified reports, that he is going to sign with an agent. Some basketball Twitter account, which I cannot find this morning, but I also can't, have not heard of, uh, claims... And it doesn't have a ton of followers. It's not verified, anything like that. Uh, but they do tweet a lot about the Fake draft. Claim. What's that? Fake news. Uh, yeah, Maybe. That. Uh, claims that he will sign with an agent. I don't know if that is because the, they actually have inside info or or because of the fact that uh, he kind of killed it at the combine. This is uh, Jonathan Giveney from Draft Express. Great first half from Dante DiVincenzo. Plays such a physical brand of basketball. Making the right plays, passing ahead, hit one deep NBA 3, really playing confidently. I was skeptical about him playing here after the Final Four, but there's no question he's helping himself here. At one point, he also had, I don't know at what point this was, uh, but he also tied Josh Okogie. Am I pronouncing that right? It doesn't sure. matter uh, for yeah. the highest vertical leap at the NBA combine thus far. At Excuse 42, me at 42 inches. I <laughs> told what? you so. Yeah, you did. You're totally right. Yeah. The, Thank you. The Archie Diakono thing was not a not a good comparison. No. I mean, with There's all a, due respect to like if- Archie Diakono, who is playing in the NBA, uh, I'm not so sure he can jump over a thin notebook, um, whereas Dante is Dante is uh, not white, basically. If uh, if you
0: are a ginger Italian, there is something genetically different about you, and I guess yeah. that includes a massive vertical at the combine. So that's exciting. Yeah. I, yeah, he's I good. Wanna, you know what though? Honestly, there is a scenario that I can see them walking away with multiple Nova Nova players um, in the, the Sixers. Scrap. Yeah. So, DiVincenzo, like, um, if he really blows the top off the the combine, then it won't happen. But there were plenty of, of analysts that were saying that DiVincenzo could be a late first, early second round pick. Um, which if if that's the case, then to me I think he should go back to college. Like I think if that's the word that he's getting, he I don't know if he could hurt his stock going back. Maybe he could. I mean, I guess it's it's always possible. Um, but if I'm looking at it realistically, we we think that Uh, Mikel Bridges is going to be there at number 10 he might not be we might have to get Miles Bridges which I wouldn't be as excited about but you might get Mikel Bridges at 10 you could theoretically try to get DiVincenzo at uh, was it 26 there were rumors about Spellman and where he fits in the league and where they think he's going to fit in the first round but I think he's going to end up being a mid first rounder he's not going to be the same kind of player that like Donovan Mitchell was in so far as like at the combine kind of Um, turning a a bunch of heads and really blowing his stock up, you know, a massively faster, higher reaching trajectory. That's not going to happen. But Spellman, I guess, theoretically could have a late rise. It won't be that much. So if he's currently projected somewhere in like the 16 to 18 range, maybe he gets close to sniffing the top 10, depending on if there's a trade made to get up there. Um, Wait, who? Spellman.
1: You think? Yeah. It's like, why,
0: where do you think he's going to go?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, it's. I think his his uh, opportunity of leaving is not guaranteed by far, and it feels like if we were seriously discussing and picking the teens, that that would be further along. Though you know, again, anything can happen in the NBA draft. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking like based on length, based on him having you know good range. He's 20 already. I, I would think that if he can be a mid round, a mid first round pick, he's got to at least think about it from his standpoint. Oh yeah, because once well, once you
1: hit he's done. Once you hit the drafted at wait what? If, if he's if, if he's going to be a mid first round pick, you're going. You don't you're not thinking yeah, yeah. about it. You're gone. Yeah, you don't want to
0: you don't want to hit, hit twenty one. On. When when you hit the the magical twenty one number going into the draft, people start to to look at you a little bit differently. As stupid as that is, it's this it's kind part of, of I think it's part of the issue that happens with the NBA draft. Is you know like the league doesn't value guys with high floors. They value guys that they think have a high ceiling, but have like a ridiculously low floor. And you know when you talk about why the NBA is is what it is, and why there are so many teams that have no depth, or why there are so many middling franchi- franchises, I think a lot of that just comes down to the fact that like teams don't draft guys that are already good. They they draft these really raw prospects, many of whom never pan out. And yeah, so if, but, you look, if uh, you're let looking me at Markelman, like I think it's good.
1: Yeah, but let me argue against that. The guys who are truly good, even if they don't get drafted in some cases, you know, or who are polished but really don't have that high of ceilings, okay, you know, take like an Archie diacono in this case. You know, guys who, you know, can go and adequately do some skill in the NBA. They don't get drafted, then they sign on as free agents. If if they're good enough, they're gonna make it. The whole point of the draft is, uh, especially in the first round, you're you're drafting on talent and depending on where you are in your rebuild and whatever—it's a calculated risk. You know the Joel Embiid pick is is a great example of this. You can take a guy who is ready now and a safer pick, or you can take a little bit of a flyer on a guy who has an injury concern, has been playing basketball for that long, but possesses such freakish athleticism and ability that he could change your franchise. And those are those are that's just a good bet. And you know some some of those bets are better than others, but I don't. You know, I think people like to crap on the NBA for that, but the, the reality is, if you just get a guy who could be serviceable at 21, unless you're com- truly competing for a title the next year, then it probably makes sense to reach on a guy who maybe possesses some skill set that he wows you. Uh, so I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Um, the tweet I was talking about with the, uh, uh, DiVincenzo is from NBA Draft God. Uh, breaking Villanova guard Dante DiVincenzo will hire an agent remaining in the draft foregoing his final two years. That is the only account tweeting that. They have exactly 592 followers and no blue check checkmark. Um, but they do seem to heavily cover the draft, so who knows. I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves. Um, if It's interesting to me the, the ranking of Nova's uh, NBA draft prospects is uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts here. To me, it's a it's a really tough question because Bridges is going to go highest. Uh, I think on uh, by this year I test, he possesses the most NBA ready skill set. Um, I think he's probably going to be much better as an NBA player than as a college player. It's not say he was bad, but I think. Um, I- the game just suits him better in the NBA and his skill set. He's not real physical. That might be okay for a little while. He can be a streaky shooter. If he gets by someone, he can easily take it to the cup, and he's a great defender. Um, But I think both Spellman and, you know, Brunson's going to be a good pro just because he's so darn good. Um, Just athletically and physically, he's, he's not where the other guys are. DiVincenzo and Spellman, I think, though, are kind of these X-factor type players. Spellman's a little bit raw, but with his size and ability to step out and hit the three, that's a obviously a coveted NBA thing. But I don't know. I've always just had this thing about Dante DiVincenzo where it's like, man, that, like, that guy is just kind of a freak. And now that he has added a truly deep three-point game, uh, I mean, he is, he is a prototypical modern NBA combo guard. And, I, you know, who can also really get up above the rim, gets after it defensively, has has been well coached. And, you know, they talked about his, his making the correct pass and all of that. That is the thing I think the Sixers lacked more than anything this year was their ability to pass in the shooting pocket, their nonchalance with the ball, as good as a passing team as they were. Um, we saw it in the playoffs against the Celtics. The fundamentals really weren't there. And, you know, it looked good against bad teams, but against good teams, uh, they really lacked the ability to make just a solid, normal pass in some cases, and I think, you know, that's a skill that DiVincenzo possesses in spades. So I kind of like his NBA pro prospects more than anybody, but, you know, Bridges may also average like 12 and and 7, 12 and 8 next year or something, and I'll be like, okay, well, maybe he's going to be better.
0: All right, so here's, uh, according to NBADraft.net, this is what what they, I guess, predict happening. Mikkel Bridges, number 10 to Philly. Um, Omari Spellman, number 26 to Philly. Dante DiVincenzo goes number 27 to Boston. And Brooklyn picks up Jalen Brunson at number 29.
1: That would now, be if that so happens, insane if they had four first round draft
0: picks. What I'll point out in this is if that ends up happening, like that that's not a bad look obviously for the university, but it also kind of th- this draft is really weird in that there are really only two elite prospects um in Deandre Ayton and Luka Doncic. And there were other guys that had gone into the season that people had predicted would end up being the number one pick, like guys like Marvin Bagley um, and Michael Porter Jr. Like those guys were supposed to be up at the top. And then they kind of had some underwhelming things that happened in their college seasons. But, you know, when you look back traditionally at the the back end of an NBA draft, um, I'm looking at the 2014 draft right now. Shabazz Napier was 24. Clint Capella, who actually plays a legitimate role in the NBA, for the Houston Rockets was twenty five, um, and Bogdan Bogdanovic was number twenty seven. Like there were a few guys to be found late in that draft. Rodney Hood, if you really want to go with him, but you know he would likely tell you that he doesn't want to go in the game. As Cleveland about that, uh, went at number twenty three. The back end of the draft, like kind of to a point that you were making before. Like yeah, I, I guess if if you're going to draft that late, then maybe it does make sense for you to you know go out on an on a limb. Like Clint Capella, I think was was obviously somebody that was thought to be raw at the time but he's clearly stepped up and and he fits a a very big need for Houston um if Jalen Brunson goes to Brooklyn that would certainly help solidify you know a few things it would kind of stabilize their team so I I could understand why you wouldn't want to go for a raw prospect there if Boston got DiVincenzo to replace Terry Rozier um, that would be a, a good way for them to just continue to terrorize the Philadelphia market for well the next ten well, years. Uh, uh,
1: let's let's not let's not oversell Divincenzo. Is it, as sad as it would Make me. Um, I don't think he's he will be the key piece here that um, you know puts a nail on the Sixers, especially if they were out and uh, no, sign a, a trade good... for Kawhi or sign LeBron. So let's uh, yeah. yeah.
0: But I mean, not a not a bad third guard
1: to have no no i actually you know i think he would he would be perfect for that team um but uh it uh it would also break my heart and i don't want to think about it um let's see um the history of the number 10 pick
0: that kevin did for the site was really good um just to kind of go in order um historically jarvis hayes from georgia in 03 luke jackson um, Andrew Bynum, former Philadelphia 76er. Andrew Bynum won 10th overall in 2005. Um, Spencer Hawes, double zero, baby, 2007. Well, uh, more importantly, though, you got, drafted by the you Kings, got Paul George. Well, Hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm you don't building. need to read them all. You I'm don't need building. to read them all. Brooke There's Lopez was names. an all star. Brandon Jennings was a good score. But yes, Paul George, future 76er, drafted number 10. Everybody's uh, most hated. Austin Rivers was also there. CJ McCollum from uh, Lehigh. He was there that was good yes yes and of course alfred payton was drafted 10th overall and thanks to our our lord and savior sam hinkey was traded for dario Sharich. and thon Maker, who
1: i'd like to point out remains just such an absolute beast in nba uh, 2k i don't know i don't know how he is so much radically better in that game than he is in real life um do you still play that game after kind of i uh mop the floor with your uh your dead corpse I haven't played a lot lately. I've played more of 17, uh, and I was doing the whatever their version of the the ultimate team is, and I had Thon Maker, and I just kept re-upping his three-game contract because he was he was just a monster in that game. Um, it carried on a little to 18, although I, to be fair, I don't think he was as effective. Um, hmm. Let's move to sports, uh, sports uh, gambling, sports betting here. I know it's yep. your favorite topic. I um, don't hate it. I, I don't understand s- it all that much, but I. I'm fine. Uh, yeah, I, look, I, I'm I'm not a better. Uh, I'm a daily fantasy guy. I don't I don't bet. I I will now. Um, you know, at least recreationally. Um, I've spent most of the last two days listening and reading basically everything I possibly could about um, about the, the Supreme Court decision, but more importantly about the impact on sports. Um, good podcast from Jimmy Trina from SI, in which he had on Scott Van Pelt, who. I don't know. To me, I always feel like Scott's full of himself. Uh, and uh, oh why is his name escaping me? Brent Musburger. I have them on separately. Van Pelt is noted for uh, kind of breaking the, the boundaries at ESPN and just openly talking about uh, gambling, doing his bad beats segment. Uh, Whereas other, you know, other hosts kind of merely alluded to it, did the old Al Michaels thing where, hey, that's an important shot for a bunch of people. Uh, Scott Van Pelt always kind of embraced it, uh, gambles himself. Um, Brent Musburger... uh, Noted along with Al Michaels as being someone who always channeled the line in the broadcast, left uh, broadcasting a year, year or two ago, started the Vison network, which I believe is Vegas insider sports network out in Vegas, doing a radio show on Sirius uh, web content. I think he's been successful at that. He is a a huge gambler and one of the, the mainstream guys who's always been a proponent of this. So interesting thoughts on that. Uh, The Andrew Brandt podcast where he had, uh, I guess, a couple of other lawyers on talking about how this will go down. And they seem to be in consensus that um, at least by football season, the New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, I want to say Missouri and Connecticut, um, you know, those whatever states had already moved to enact legislation should be up and running in time for football season. Like this is going to happen quickly. Uh, with regard to the online component, um, it's not. There's the illegal sports. There's the illegal something or other online betting act, which uh, it seems like most states will just um, kind of ignore in their legisla- in their legislation and enable online mobile betting. Uh, and if that's though initially, and by initially meaning like these first few weeks and months, it might only be sports books in person, like Monmouth or casinos in Atlantic City. Um, again, by football season, a lot of those early states, it seems, will have uh, online mobile betting and many, if not many more, by the end of the year uh, or the latest early 2019 for the states that have already moved. So this is happening quickly. This isn't like a three years down the road conversation in, in five or six major states. It's, it's pretty soon. Interestingly, uh, and good for us, and um, you know, I'll get to that in a second, Three, the first three states might wind up being New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania, which is obviously eighty-five plus percent of our uh, reading and listening audience. And uh, I think that's going to open up from our standpoint. And uh, Jeff, Mike, and I have talked a lot a bit of bit a lot about this. And we're going to spend a lot of time on this this summer. I think there's a real opportunity there. Uh, I don't want to say exactly what it is we're doing because it's not really going to affect content. I think you're going to see. Sports media properties, websites, whatever, everywhere start talking more about the lines and and breaking them down more. And we'll definitely do that a little bit more than we do, though. You know, we've been writing about them for a while now, usually in the context of um, you know what the public sentiment might be on a certain team or situation. But uh, we have a really cool idea uh, that we think will be good because there's going to be going um, to be a lot of companies uh, who are going to want to reach. Basically, Philadelphia sports fans, since they span those three states, uh, and there is there's going to be a lot of money in play uh, for it seems like everyone in this uh, in this vertical. So hashtag excited about that. Wow, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't know, I mean, do you have any do you have any thoughts on? I'm just I'm just it's so fascinating because I mean I've listened to Mark Cuban, listened to the CEO of DraftKings, and everyone has a different opinion about exactly how it's going to shake out, but. Um, the consensus among everybody is that um, real-time in-game betting is the real growth area. You know, people who wanted to bet on the the Sixers minus seven, if they really wanted to do so, you were already doing so, just using a you know an offshore website or having a bookie, most likely using an offshore website. Yeah, but I'm, now I'm to remember, yeah,
0: um, I listen to a lot of shows now. I don't remember if it was ours. I don't remember if this was something you brought up. I don't. I don't think it was. I think it was one of the national shows. But um, there was the the talk of how do you exactly do live in game sports betting on specific things as they're happening, especially if so many people stream the games and streams Good are point. typically on like a twenty second delay, and so that kind of makes things really complicated, right? Because you you can't necessarily put the bet on a delay because if you do, then theoretically you could. I, I don't know. Yeah, you already know yeah. the outcome ahead of time. But if streaming is your only way to, to go, then you're kind of screwed, right? Unless you're able to figure out a way or the companies are able to figure out a way to, to get the stream on a significantly, you know, shorter turnaround time where there's the the ability to reduce the um, the, the streaming delay. Well, I don't know how you make that work
1: like that. That to me is the biggest concern. Well, this was me. This was me. I think I said this on Wednesday. Uh, I was happy to learn that I listened to an interview with Dan Patrick and Mark Cuban last night, and Mark Cuban actually... Uh, had brought this exact topic up. He also mentioned the Amazon thing, which I wrote about the other day on the website. I swear it was not after I heard him talk about it. But he said, "Imagine a world in which you know Amazon has these streaming rights, and you know they're taking your bets, and they do it relatively cheap, just so they get people's credit card locked in, and you know that's good for their overall service. If they're taking only two percent on a bet, they're happy to do that." Because, uh, you know, now they have your credit card and you're presumably signed up for, for Prime now and, you know, it kind of just compels you to shop with them. That's, uh, that was an interesting take. But he brought up the, uh, the delay thing. The delay is kind of necessary with streaming. It's getting better because technology is getting better. Um, I believe what Congress ruled to reinstate net neutrality, which I think everyone thinks is a good thing and it, by and large it might be. But that is going to restrict competition in broadband, and uh, and I think that will actually hurt from a technology standpoint because it really the Comcast and Verizon's of the world really don't have that many people nipping at their heels, and with so many regulations uh, in place, it makes it hard for an upstart technology company that you know figures out a way to um, you know bring you know fiber fiber broadband to areas. Uh, it makes it that much harder for them to be in play. And and as a country, our internet speeds are much slower than much of the developed world. Um, you know, like the Scandinavian states, I believe, like, you know, are three, four times as fast as we are, and we're very much behind in that regard. And I don't think the net neutrality thing will help. The point Russian of that Broadcast: being, Come for the sports takes. Stay for the Scandinavian internet breakdown. No, but... The, well, yeah, but the, the the point of that is um, that's why the the delay is necessary for for the buffering you know so this way when you do have a hiccup or it slows down and I was watching the fills last night on YouTube TV um, you know there was a few few slowdowns and it got a little grainy for a second here and there but if you're 20 seconds behind that that content is now preloaded so you have 20 seconds for the stream to come back before it just totally craps out so I think most people understand the concept buffering but anyway I think it's easily overcome um, you, the bets have to be in real time. You can't risk someone knowing the outcome. So the bets are in real time tied to the actual live event. And I think the consensus is that is the big growth area that makes up apparently like 80% of the money that's bet in Europe on sports is real time betting. Like here we always view it as who's, you know, who's going to cover, what's the over under, that sort of thing. That's not how they do it in Europe for soccer, for tennis, for golf. It is... You know, a lot of sports books, I guess, don't even set an initial line over there. The game just starts and then they just have constantly updating lines. So I think there's two different ways you can do this. One is, you know, literally adjusting the line throughout the game. And this is popular during the Super Bowl and all that. And there's apps right now in Nevada. Um, uh, William Hill is one of the big ones, and they're definitely going to be a player in this. I think... You know, they adjust the line throughout the game. So you may have been able to get, what were the Eagles? Plus four in the Super Bowl, whatever it was. After the first quarter, when they're up, you probably could have gotten the Patriots at like minus one at that point or minus two. And now, as a better, you're not taking as much of a risk. You know, you're picking the favorite basically out a pick him if, if it starts out slowly. That sort of bet- betting is very popular. So I think you're going to see two kinds uh, one will be the constantly adjusting line throughout the game, which probably doesn't require quite as much immediacy. And then the other will be what happens on this next play or pitch or whatever it is. And that I think is the situation you're describing. And the consensus there is, and this is from Van Pelt. This is from uh, Brett Musburger. This is from someone else I was listening to. It may have been the, the guy from DraftKings. They feel sports like golf and tennis Those secondary sports that have a lot of very measurable, bettable situations, like, okay, what happens on this next shot? What happens in this next set? Those sports will stand out because there's more time, as well as baseball, because there's more time between plays. Like, it's too hard to say what's going to happen on the next possession in basketball, because you only have, in theory, 24 seconds. But in baseball, there's a lot more time, so that... um, that oh slowdown God, this, in golf and baseball doesn't matter as much because even if you're ten seconds behind, you could still see the action and and have time to react to it because there's a there's a big break in the action. Ditto with football, I guess, in terms of the series at least.
0: What if sports betting ends up being the one thing that brings baseball back from the brink of death? Wouldn't I, that be interesting? I think it might like it, be. It, it it very well could help. And it's, look, it's I, it's it's funny. It's interesting. So does that mean I that don't Pete think Rose, they're on the brink of death? Like, like I, <laughs> but they're on the brink of I like I know saying they're irrelevant is is too hot takey but like uh, I get what you're they, saying they, they, they don't really it. fit they don't really fit with the uh the very short attention span sports fan in in our country today so you're right and yeah, there's not
1: a lot of young people who who you know where, where baseball is is their number one sport or certainly who sit down and watch a game on tv I think it's huge for baseball both for the reason for the real-time betting is super easy you know a sport like baseball and this is what makes it so good um, this is what makes it so good with analytics. Is because each event or at bat or pitch or play is easily quantifiable. You know, you could define what happened. It's not like something more vague like hockey. Like, well, you know, it was a turnover, a check. You know, these kind of vague that it's ground ball to this position, thrown the first out. You know, everything can be measured specifically. So that makes it very easy to bet on because there's no, there's little ambiguity. Um, there's the t- downtime, but also it's the only sport. Throughout the course of the of the summer, so well, you know, in theory, but it's the major sport going on. Um, You know, you have but you have games every single night, and with betting, you know, even the best better maybe gets the winning sixty percent of the time. So you need to do those things over the course of a season. Uh, Football could be tough because you have a couple losing weeks and your whole year is shot. Baseball, though, if you're really if you're if you're decent and have good info you know you need to churn that out uh, over the course of, of many months so i think it's a big deal for baseball i also think it's a big deal for some of the secondary sports um because they they are now instantly as relevant as some of the big games or even like nonchalant like low level matchups because betting is the same regardless of of what it means for the standings so i think it actually helps games that would otherwise not have great ratings because people will be compelled to watch them and, and stick with them and um you know have have some action on those games
0: good point all right it's probably a good spot to wrap up for the week um as always crossing broadcast part of the crossing broad podcast network if you're interested in uh potentially advertising on the crossing broadcast or the crossing broad podcast network there are five different shows including Cross Step, a phillies podcast snow the goalie a hockey podcast uh crossing broad fc and it's always soccer in philadelphia uh feel free to reach out to kyle at crossing broad um i, I guess you can always reach out to me i don't know what i'm gonna have to do with it but you know feel free um otherwise <laughs> Uh, we we will will be are going to be
1: on cheddar. Let's not sell yourself uh, That's shorter. true. Yeah, I'll be cheddar. on cheddar,
0: and that's going to be cheddar, cheddar. Um, so that'd dare would be to
1: pronounce it like that. Darius. Uh,
0: hello. Thank you for having me on cheddar. <sighs> yeah. What would they do? What would they do if I walked in with that accent? Can't they would never know. Would they? they? Can't pack out of it. Oh my god, that'd be awesome. Uh, anyway, this has been a a, a good week. Next week uh, we'll be back with more Philadelphia sports content. It'll be great. Um, until then, that's Kyle at Crossing Broad. I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. We'll talk to you again next week.